Hello, welcome to the Freedom from Anger podcast. I'm joined today with Baram Gista. He's a Buddhist meditation teacher. He's also the spiritual director of the Inner Mastery Center in India. He is trained under various Buddhist masters in India, Nepal, Sri Lanka, Thailand, and Japan over a period of five years. He has over 30 years of experience in encouraging people to be the best that they can be in India, Europe, Australia. He has dedicated his life to inspiring people around the world to know what can yet be possible for them through the right spiritual education. He is also an author. His book is titled Born with Wings. The only limits to what is possible are the ones that we accept. It's available on Amazon. It has a lot of really good reviews. Definitely looking forward to checking that out. And he's got a lot of accomplishments that I ain't got time to dive into. But thank you so much for joining me this morning or this evening for you. Thank you, James. It's an honor to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, I, I was very excited when I reached out and was willing to be on my little podcast. I've always been very interested in a lot of Buddhist teachings over the years. I think it's a very bored kind of no-nonsense uh, approach to life, and I'm sure you'll give us a lot of good information. Thank you. Okay, let, let me just say a little bit about myself to explain this. I was fortunate that I was born in a family where my father was deeply spiritually inclined, and he passed on that passion onto me. It didn't really sit well with my siblings, but I really absorbed what he had to share. Anyway, at the age of 13, my hormones kicked in, yeah, and I was interested in wine, women, and song. As we all, all do. So the thing was that I was very shy, and I couldn't really speak with the opposite sex without clamming up. So I decided to discover my strengths at the early age of 13. I started reading books on astrology, numerology, palmistry, handwriting analysis, anything I could get my hands on to know my strengths and my weaknesses so that I could float through the world in the right possible manner. And it really helped. All those self-help books and my passion to get out of my weaknesses and to consolidate my strengths. Now, this learning really helped me to see what choices would lead to a happier life and which choices would definitely not do so. And I saw this in my friends because they were growing up also and they started to veer in the direction of smoking, not just cigarettes, but also other things, drinking, lying, cheating, womanizing. And I saw how it was destroying their lives. And I was never drawn to that because I was already in touch with the right values. And it is those values in my teens that have offered me the clarity to make choices in which my life could flourish. Whereas my friends, I could see them nose diving towards disaster. So that, that James is basically an example of how fortune favors the prepared. I was prepared way before adulthood to make clear life choices. Now the thing is, go ahead, you wanna ask a question? No, I was just gonna say, looking back, I know like on my childhood, I wish I would have had that insight to try to educate myself. I probably would have saved a lot of headache and heartache along the way if I just 
picked up a book and read it, which was not something that, that I did back then. It makes such a difference, James, such a difference, the right education. Okay. So the thing is the first 10 years of my life, I lived in India, North India, and my dad being an architect, he was working for the government and he asked for a transfer. So the, he was transferred to Lagos, Nigeria. I lived there for 12 years. That's where the wine, women and song came into the picture, but not in excess, just as regular teenager. Then from the, then after finishing my bachelor's degree in Lagos, Nigeria, I went to the U.S., Los Angeles, for further studies to get my master's degree in design, graphic design. And there, there was another huge eye-opener for me. I was in a very special college. Fortunately, dad had finances to support me and my education. I was in this very special college in which all the arts were combined under one roof. There was the music section, dance, theater, film and video, and art and design. I was in the design sector. Now, when I was there, these, the deans of these five different faculties were all international figureheads, James. Why? They had power, they had position, they had wealth, good looks, good homes, everything that people deem to be true success. And even though they had everything in terms of material values, James, I was horrified to see that not one of these beings was a centered human being. Not one. They were into alcohol, drugs, womanizing, ego trips. They were not centered. They were not happy people. So I asked myself, hey, here these guys represent the pinnacle of success. What's missing? They have everything. They have the health, well, which they're ruining. They have everything. What's missing? And again, thanks to the preparation in my childhood or in my teens, I saw that what was missing was a spiritual clarity. Although they went to the church or to the synagogue or wherever else, it was just a disappearance, just surface, no depth experience. So what was missing was spiritual clarity. When I saw that, I said, whoa, if these guys are not happy with all their talent and their wealth and their position and everything, what, is, what are the chances of me being happy as a designer without spiritual clarity? And so that's what prompted me to make the seven world religions as my theme for my master's thesis. And by studying the seven religions, world religions, I found Buddhism served me the best. So after graduation, I came back to India in search of teachers and teachings. And I'm here today because of that choice. That spiritual clarity. Without it, James, nothing fulfills us. Nothing. And that's the mistake most people are making in the world. They believe that material success or professional success is the way to go. And that's what the focus is on every Ivy League college or university. Material success. But how many of these people are really happy. Depression, suicide, abuse, violence is increasing in the world like mushrooms increase in the forest. And these are intelligent, they're intelligent people, but they don't see where best to place their attention. So what do you think about that, Jane? Well, I, I totally agree. That's a question that I've asked the people that I've worked with for years and years and years. It's just simple. Are you happy? 
And I'm all about keeping things simple. And that question kind of catches them off guard because they think it's going to be a little bit more complex. So whether they're being abusive or uh, have alcohol and drug problems, I just ask them, are you happy? If you're, and if you're not happy, you're never going to succeed in not being violent and not using alcohol and drugs. Because like you said, so many of us, especially in America, it's all about how big is your house? What kind of car do you drive? How much money do you have in the bank? But like you said, you can have all those things and be miserable. I mean, look at how many celebrities overdose and die. And one that comes to mind is Philip Seymour Hoffman, a brilliant actor, millionaire many times over, but died of a drug overdose. Because I guarantee you, he was not happy. So the thing is, apart from the world we are conscious of, there is another world. And that's the spirit realm. It's from this invisible realm that everything that is born, everything that is created, it comes from there. And when we neglect our spirit, James, that neglect, that's, it doesn't go away. The, spirit, the hungry spirit doesn't just go away if you neglect it. The voice of the hungry spirit is confusion, fiascos, and suffering in its many forms. It would be great if the spirit growled every time it was hungry like our stomachs do, but it doesn't. The voice of the hungry spirit is fiascos and suffering and dissatisfaction. So unless we have the clarity to venture within, to remove the veils in our mind that have concealed our divinity for lifetimes, unless we do that, there is no scope for real lasting happiness, none whatsoever. There is essential for us to discover our unity with God and the universe and to flow in harmony with it. Most people are not focused in that direction. They're too outwardly focused. There's no venturing within. Yeah, and this kind of a side note, this is something I've always kind of thought is I think a lot of people like you said, you did your master's thesis and you studied seven you know, major religions and others. There's more than that out there. And you found one that, that fit, yeah, yes. worked for you the best. And I think a lot of people say if you were raised Catholic or I was raised Baptist or whatever, we're too scared to like venture out and explore other spiritual avenues because we're, we're scared of what somebody else might think or we don't upset our parents or grandparents or whatever it is but i'm a firm believer in they all have that same connection but it's just different modalities so find something that that works for you that can yes. feel that can feel that feel that i guess that like spiritual hole yeah <laughs> yeah Flexible way of thinking, openness to learning has to be there. Yeah. And I've, throughout the years, I've not really studied, but I've been a fan of a lot of the, the Buddhist teachings. And to me, it's just kind of, it's easy to understand. Hey, Buddha was a guy. There's not some supernatural being. He was just a teacher. And hey, our life's about suffering. We get old, we die. Um, so might as well be happy along the way. Love your fellow man, all, all those sort of things. There's a individual, he's wrote several books, but he actually combined uh, a lot of the principles of AA with Buddhist teachings and actually developed his own recovery system 
just based off of that, because he grew up in a household where his father wrote several books on Buddhism, and he's kind of going down the wrong path, and it wasn't until he actually started listening to what his parents was teaching him all those years, and he turned his life around. I haven't kept track of him in a while, but he's a pretty interesting character. Just like this fellow made the clear choice, we, we need that kind of discernment also. And the discernment that we need especially is to be alert to those unseen definitions, assumptions, and perspectives that consolidate the very conditions we want to be free from, the bad habits we want to be free from, but they consolidate them. So we need that discernment to just see how we are binding ourselves to misery and where the key is, is to free ourselves. Let me give you an example. Nobody enjoys being afraid. Nobody enjoys being insecure or doubting themselves constantly. And yet, so many people live in fear, doubt, and insecurity. What does that happen, James? Yeah, it's that whole negative bias that we always have. If we're going to assume, we're always going to assume the worst. We're never going to assume the best. And what I always tell people is, you're in Vegas and you're gambling. If, if I want to gamble, probably the best bet on winning would be the roulette wheel because you can bet red or black. So you got a 50-50 shot and those are the best odds you're going to get in Vegas. So same thing with making those negative assumptions. You can go positive. It's a 50-50 shot. We don't really know what's going to happen on down the road. So why not think positive and not beat ourselves up? Yes, but to think positive, James, we have to be clear about those unseen definitions that make us angry, that make us fearful, make us jealous. Those assumptions we're holding, unexamined, unquestioned assumptions. So the solution to that is the following. James, when you press on the word icon on your computer, does the Excel file open up? No. How about PowerPoint? No. You're pressing on the word icon, yeah, and Excel and PowerPoint don't open up. Hey, buddy, what is, why does that happen? Only word will open, nothing else will open. So why is that? That's what it's designed to do. It's been programmed, mm -hmm. pre-programmed, James. So spiritual education pre-programs us to respond to life only in a wholesome manner. So that even if a weirdo comes our way, we respond in a kind, loving, and gentle manner. That pre-program is not there for people. They don't have that foundation in the right education so that it becomes a default set than in personal refinement. But that's a huge mistake to make. Yeah, we need that default setting so that no matter who clicks on that icon, whether it's a weirdo or a saint, only word will open, right? Same. Whoever touches us, whoever, there are no more triggers for them to, you know, press. Whoever we encounter, we see in a loving, gentle light. But that programming has to be there through spiritual education and practice. It doesn't happen otherwise. There's a saying that when a thief meets a saint, he only sees his pockets. But when a saint sees a thief, he sees a potential saint. So what we see in the world out here is depending on what we have inside, what we have programmed inside. And that programming is essential. We have to make time to discover just how profound we are. So 
we don't differ much from those who flourish in this world. We don't differ much except in the passion to be excellent, except in hard work and discernment, making clear choices. So how do we make those clear choices? How do we move from mediocre mode to ex excellent mode? What has to happen, James? We have to educate ourselves. We have to be prepared. Yep. What we need really, James, is to discover what ignites us. What ignites us? We all need a compelling vision to strive towards. Without a compelling vision, distractions and mediocrity and anger and resentment, all these flood our, flood our consciousness. If we're not having a compelling vision so that we contribute something of value to the world before we pop off. Most people just existing, family and work and pleasures. Like when they die, nobody even knew they existed. That's not the way to live. We're taking so much from the world. People who built our homes, the roads, our clothes, the food. So many people contribute to our well-being. And yet we think nothing of offering something of value back to them. That's the mistake what people make. Living in the self-centered, tiny little myopic fashion. Oh yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. It seems, you know, everybody always says it's worse now than it's ever been since the, you know, the beginning of time. But I do feel that people are becoming a bit more self-centered and it's all about me, me, me. And a lot of people blame social media uh, for a lot of things. And we're supposedly more connected now, but I think it's the opposite. We're less connected because I remember when I got out of the military and I went back to college and I hadn't been to college for several years. So, and this is right about the time that the smartphone came out. Of course, I didn't have a smartphone. I just had a regular cell phone. And I noticed when I was waiting for a class to begin, I'm looking around and nobody's talking to anybody. Everybody's staring at their phone. And it kind of freaked me out. I'm like, what, what's going on here? And it, it's only gotten worse and worse where now you've got parents looking at their phone rather than talking to their kids or handing their kid a tablet and say, here you go, be quiet. And you have no idea what they're looking at. And I, I think it's a shame it's, it's gotten to that point because I was talking the other day to a neuroscientist in uh, Australia. And he says, one of the best things we can do for our brain is to interact with people that we like, talk to people. And it kind of caught me off guard, but he's correct. We are social creatures. We're not meant to live in isolation in, in, in a bubble. And I think that's where a lot of our anger, a lot of our frustration, and, and a lot of our suffering comes from. And, and we're inflicting it on ourselves, James. We are inflicting it on ourselves. Nobody else is holding us back. We're choosing Netflix over education. We're choosing the smartphone over connection. We're doing it to ourselves. It's not the government that's doing it. Yes, we are flooded daily with nonsensical promises of happiness, which don't work. But we are adults. As adults, we need to learn how to discern things correctly. Because if you don't, we suffer. Let me give you another example. Imagine you're in a restaurant, garden restaurant, nice, beautiful summer day. Windows are open for the fresh air. And 
Sitting next to the window is a very rich couple. The lady is dripping in diamonds. Kai has his Rolex and smart clothes, designer clothes. They're having their meal. When suddenly a cockroach flies in from the window, a large cockroach, and lands on the gentleman's hand, what would be his response? Probably brush it off. So he flicks it off and it goes and flies onto his wife's hair. What would be her response? Uh, Probably go crazy. Almost like she's being uh, murdered. And then comes a waitress just in time, picks up the cockroach in her hands gently, takes it outdoors and frees it. So James, why did that couple have that negative reaction? Because they were taught that cockroaches are nasty. Yeah, it's knee-jerk, knee-jerk response. But w- w- what if it was a butterfly? W- would they right. have the same reaction? Nope. Basically, they were not in touch with their strengths. Their wealth did not give them the skills to be in touch with their strengths. And their strength means their love and their compassion for a fellow creature. The waitress had that. It's not necessary that everyone has to respond to a cockroach in this negative light. But that's what we're talking about. That people are too busy with their cell phones and with other things, making money. But they're not seeing the necessity of preparing beforehand, before any nasty reality occurs. Not that a cockroach is a nasty reality, but anything that ruffles our consciousness. Because as when we ruffle our consciousness, we're going to respond to things in a way that only compounds the difficulty. It doesn't make it go away. So we need to get our priorities straight. Hey, ain't that the truth? Um... I got a, a question for you. When it comes it comes to meditation, I know over the years I've dabbled in it and I've tried to get some clients to experience meditation. And the pushback that I get is it's alarming. People cannot stand to be in their own thoughts and sit in quiet it kind of freaks them out, especially some of the younger individuals that I worked with. And it's very difficult for them because they're so used to being bombarded with information and sounds and just to sit in a quiet room kind of freaks them out a little bit. So it's, how do you get somebody that's that reluctant to experience meditation? Hey, James, the word meditation in Sanskrit is bhava. And bhavana means simply, it means to cultivate. Cultivate what? To cultivate what is finest in us, to bring it out. Yeah. And for us to bring out what is finest in us, we need to create the context in for which, the context in which it can arise. So before we can actually sit quietly, this is a much later part of the practice, we need to understand that meditation also is learning to do things tastefully and with presence. If we can be present to brushing our teeth, eating our food, it's already creates the context of quietening the mind and being present to ourselves. When we can get proficient in this, just to be present to what we're doing, then we can sit quiet, not beforehand. So think of people who exercise on the on a treadmill or whatever it's called, you know, that walking thing or the bicycling while they're on their iPod or doing something else, yeah? The body is working, but the mind is somewhere else. And they really believe that's the way to do things, multitasking. 
That's ridiculous. You're not happy with that body. You look at your body, feel the joy of having that body and what are you doing to it? But no, people are not wanting to be present to themselves. That's the tragedy of human experience. But to make music out of our moments, we have to understand the skill. Let me give you an example of how to make music out of your moments, how to really meditate well. Not necessarily in sitting, but in living correctly. Suppose there's this incredibly fantastic musician, a pianist, and he gives a performance which enthralls the audience. And after he finishes, he gets a standing ovation. Tell me, James, where did the music come from? That enthralling music, where did it come from? It came from the pianist inside. One, buddy? The piano? Came not just from the musician or from the piano, came from the convergence or the confluence of the two. A well-tuned piano and a well-skilled musician. That's what creates enthralling music. A novice on a well-tuned piano would not be able to create good music. And a great musician on an untuned piano also will not create good music. So it's the confluence of the two. Now, life is the perfect piano. It's already tuned. But the thing is, it is tuned in mysterious ways. Because even its dark side yeah, is a challenge that comes our way crisis that comes our way, even that is well due in relation to the law of cause and effect. It's perfectly well tuned, but it is for us to learn how to play that piano well and to see every difficulty as a blessing in disguise. Because when we see the difficulty as a blessing in disguise, it becomes so, James. It becomes so. But when we see a difficulty as a curse, it also becomes so. So to make music out of our moments, we need to acquire the skill to interact with life in a manner that brings out its blessings from every experience, regardless of how traumatic it can be or is. By interacting with it correctly, you can gain immense benefit from it. I'm sure you've seen this in your own life. How when a challenge came your way and you met it correctly, it was like, an immense blessing for you. Yeah, I'm a firm believer that there's always that silver lining, even in the darkest times, that there's something yep. positive you can bring Get from it. Of- yeah. I was talking to uh, a guy about a month or so ago, and he had some really bad health issues. And I like how he phrased it. He says, it didn't happen to me, it happened for me. Because he mm-hmm. came out of it a better person. It motivated him to, he wrote a book and he's talking to people, trying to motivate them to better themselves. And he says that mentality, he's a firm believer. That's what ended up getting him healthy because instead of feeling sad for himself, he said, no, this, this, this happened for me, not to me. So I thought that was real inspiring because not many of us would have that mentality comes to our health. Absolutely. Now, the good news is that it's never too late to be the kind of person we wish to be. Never too late. Regardless of the mistakes we've made, regardless of our past history, we always have the choice to make the rest of our life the best of our life. The choice is there. But in order to choose that, we need a radical shift in our priorities. I'm sure you've heard it said that to be proficient in any field, 
we need a minimum of 10,000 hours of skilled activity. Yeah, most that yeah. well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, minimum, deliberate practice, 10,000 hours. So tell me, James, the average person out there, how many hours does he or she invest in bettering themselves? Not much, <laughs> not much. They're not professionally living correctly. So it's not that life is difficult, it's that we're being difficult with life by expecting it to give us happiness when we don't qualify for it. It's going to happen. It's not, it goes against natural laws. So for us to experience the best, we have to work towards being the best. Otherwise, it doesn't, it doesn't it just doesn't happen. So every oh. moment, every moment our skills are growing. Every moment our skills are growing. Question is, in which direction? For most people, their skills are growing in the direction of looking for happiness where it cannot be found. And their skills are growing and becoming more disappointed and more depressed and angry and frustrated. But the better choice is to learn to bring out what is finest in us. And everything in life worth achieving requires practice. To bring that out requires practice. And when we are wise, we see that life is just one long practice session for fine-tuning ourselves. So when we really understand this, that life is one long practice session for fine-tuning ourselves, when we really understand this and embrace this fact, then every opportunity we get, every temptation that comes our way, every difficulty that comes our way, we see it as an opportunity to perfect ourselves. That's how we grow into our best, James. Not by pushing temptations away or getting involved in temptations or challenges and compounding the difficulty. No, these are life's invitations for perfecting ourselves. It's not something we need to run from or to resent. So fortune favors the prepared. Prepare yourself before the storm arises. Not a good idea to learn swimming during a thunderstorm in, in deep waters. Learn to swim when waters are calm and in the shallow waters, especially when there are no sharks. Yeah, most people, like you said, they're trying to find happiness in external things, whether it be money, or if I'm dating a supermodel, or if I got this car, that'll make me happy, and yeah, yeah, and be a millionaire and be miserable all day long if you don't know how to handle it. But the other thing is the whole avoidance of suffering, avoidance of pain, I find a lot of people get kind of trapped in that, they have the mentality that they're never supposed to experience pain, they're never supposed to experience uh, bad things, and then they choose to avoid those things by using alcohol, drugs, sex, gambling, you name it. And I think it's really hard for people, like you said, be present in that pain to, to meet it head on rather than try to avoid it because you can avoid it all day long, it's not going anywhere. <laughs> so what is your advice about meeting those challenges head on? Excellent question. Again, we come back to the practice of meditation. The importance of learning to sit quietly after we've learned to do things tastefully and with presence, the importance of being quiet is that all these difficulties we have experienced in life and which we have stored in this cellular memory of our bodies, all these difficulties then start to bubble up into our consciousness. Things, traumatic events from childhood begin to open up and lots of tears start to come out. 
lots of pain and release has to take place. It's called a catharsis. And the more we release the pain we're carrying within us, the freer we are to make better life choices. Because our present decisions are being influenced by the pain we're carrying within ourselves. Unless we release that pain, we can't make clear choices. The fear, the fear we feel right now is because of the fear we felt previously and it hasn't been resolved. The anger we feel right now is because of the anger we felt previously and is still percolating in our cells. It won't leave us. It needs to be heard. It needs to be acknowledged. It needs to be loved in order for us to let, let it go. That's the practice of meditation, James. Because once we clear these toxins and the mind is pure, that's when we see God. We can't see him otherwise. Can't see because right now we're living in the fuzz. So it is imperative for us to have the courage to face this pain and to release it. Thank you. So sorry. I'm so sorry for hurting you. And forgive whoever so does back. It's, a, it's a, one of the best things we can do for ourselves. Best gifts we can give to ourselves. To free ourselves from all the rubbish, all those unseen definitions, assumptions, and perceptions we're carrying around with us, which need to be purged. For only then can we live our best. Yeah, something that I've said to people that I've worked with for years is if you accomplish these three things, then you're off to a good start. Whether it be anger, alcohol, and drugs, pretty much any of the various classes that I've taught is, number one, love yourself. Number two, forgive yourself. And number three, forgive others. We don't love ourselves, and then we're carrying around all this uh, bitterness and hatred towards other people. We don't like ourselves. And uh, like you said, we got to let that stuff go. We got to let that stuff out. Or we're just going to carry it around, all that baggage, into present day. And it could be something that happened 20 years ago. And if I'm still carrying it around today, it didn't happen 20 years ago. It's happening today. Right. And <laughs> your choice is today. Yeah. So, um, good question to ask James is never why the addiction, why the addiction to alcohol or drugs or whatever. The better question is why the pain? If you can address why the pain and resolve why the pain, the addiction will go. Stop. We must stop looking at the symptoms. Look at the causes. Why the pain that made us want to numb ourselves? If we can discover the answer to that pain and let go of that pain, the forgiveness, we're free, home free. The ball has been struck out of the ballpark. Yeah. yeah. Well, all righty. It was great talking with you. I think my listeners will get a lot of good information from what we've said. Hopefully they check out your book, Born With Wings. And I was going through this morning, reading the reviews. People definitely like it. Well, make sure to keep in touch and whenever it gets released, Thanks. Thanks, James. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. It was wonderful talking to you. Thank oh, you. It was great learning from you and hope you have a great rest of the day. Thanks. You too. Stay well. Thank you. All right. I hope you enjoyed that podcast. He's very knowledgeable and hopefully you took something away from it. If you have any topics you want us to cover, or you know somebody that might be a good guest, please reach out to us. Easiest way is Shoot me an email through my website, freedomanger.com. You can also reach me on all the social medias, 
Instagram and YouTube. It is Freedom From Anger LLC. And on Twitter or X, it is Anger underscore LLC. And as always, till next time, stay safe. Thank you.